Good evening, everybody, and welcome to the R&D Project. I'm your host, Rob Nicholson, up here in New Jersey, and joining me, as always, is my other host with the most, Donnie Sturgis. How you doing, Donnie? Ho, 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 ho. Happy holidays, everybody. I think this episode actually is going to air after the holiday, but it's still the holiday, so who cares? I'm Donnie Sturgis. I'm coming at you uh, from the Sturgis compound in Virginia, and I'm, I'm just doing peachy and thank you and happy holidays. And I said that already. And hello, everyone. And welcome <laughs> to another episode. I hope everybody had a Merry Christmas. And I hope everybody is getting ready for a joyous new year. We are going into the year 2020, which just, I, I said it the other night, just seems weird to me saying the year 2020. Um, you know, I remember years ago thinking, oh, my, my youngest daughter will graduate from high school in 2020. And it seems so far away. And now it's here. Woo. Anyway. 1990 was 30 years ago, everybody. So Shh. welcome to being old. <laughs> okay, boomer. <laughs> I'm not a boomer. I'm a Gen Xer. Get it right. I know. But that's, you know, everybody <laughs> is calling us boomers. Well, I don't go fuck get off it. Into the right? of assholes. It's it's ridiculous. I'm like, no, my dad's generation is a boomer. They're called boomers because it's the baby boomer generation. Exactly. Ugh. The people born after World War II when all the GIs came back home and had some loving with their women. Anyway. <laughs> we digress. <laughs> we digress. We digress quite a bit. Anyway, tonight we will be talking about a Christmas Carol in prose, being a ghost story of Christmas, otherwise known as A Christmas Carol, written by Charles Dickens and adapted in every single which way, shape, and form that you could imagine. We could oh, yeah. literally just talk single sentences about this and we would be here for hours. And we're normally here for hours anyway, but we're not going to do that tonight. Hopefully. So, we'll see. <laughs> <laughs> so, Donnie, I know this is one of your favorite oh, yeah. things in the entire world. So I'm going to let you get us started. All right. Thank you. Um, don't mind if I do. So I know we're, like I said, we're a little bit late. Um, but uh, I did want to get this in because as we talked last episode with the Christmas horror um you know, we were sitting there with, uh, you know, me and Rob and Joey, and we were, you know, breaking it down as to why, you know, horror is so popular, why Christmas horror is popular, why people love it, why people like to put a little bit of that horror chocolate into the Christmas peanut butter. You know, we, we broke it down to a few things. You know, the fact that a lot of mythologies uh, that aren't American uh, include monsters and darkness and evil to kind of counterbalance the light. But even so, like, we did bring up, um, a Christmas Carol, because a Christmas Carol is one of the, you know, is, a, is an early story from like the 1800s, uh, again, written by Charles Dickens, that it's a, it's a ghost story. At the end of the day, it's a ghost, it's about the redemption of a man, but it's a ghost story. And, you know, as one of the popular uh, Christmas Carols goes, they'll be telling ghost stories, you know, uh, and tales of the glories of Christmases long, 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 long ago. ago. So, but... A Christmas Carol for me has always been one of my favorite things about the holidays, about Christmas, about you know um, just the season. Uh, I'm a because uh, it, it's it's all of my favorite things pretty much wrapped up into one. I love ghost stories. Ghost stories are probably my favorite when it comes to horror. Um, I love ghosts themselves. 
and I love a, re- a good redemption story. I have always been redemption stories. That that is, you wanna you wanna get me. You you want you want me to like be engaged in your story or in your movie or whatever. You throw a redemption in there. The redemption story trope is one of my favorite tropes. It never gets old for me. Uh, I think it just has a lot to do with my you know my optimism, my my failure to to let hope uh, the the light of hope extinguish in me. Um, it's just one of those things that I love, and a Christmas Carol is all that in spades. Um, so you know, like I said, written by Charles Dickens. The, I I've read the book uh, numerous times uh, since since um, since middle school. I, I've I haven't read it om- I haven't read it every year, but I've, tr- I've done my best to try to 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 um, to do so. Um, but it's one it's absolutely one of my favorite Christmas stories of all time, and it has so many adaptations. Like it is probably one of the most adapted, um, uh, one of the, one of the most adapted uh, s- stories of all time. Like uh, you know, as far as literature is concerned, every um, single every single TV show that anybody has ever watched, I think, in the history of ever, and definitely, definitely, all sitcoms. Oh, yeah. They've all done an adaptation of this story in some way, shape, or form. Especially in the seventies and the eighties, like yes. for, you know, everybody in the seventies, the eighties got super Christmas Carol happy. I mean, you had, you had, you know, TV shows like like Family Ties, um, you know, that Cheers. was a great like, episode. They, they all did like their own episode that was that was all like about a Christmas Carol. And even nowadays, that trend's starting to come back a little bit because you have like, because for a while there, there was like this moratorium. On, on adapting Christmas Carol because it had been done so frequently and it had been done so much to the point where you weren't getting nearly as many adaptations like in a year as you used to. Um, but we're, I think it's, we're starting to see the trend upswing again because we're getting like Doctor Who a couple years ago uh, with the 11th Doctor did the version of A Christmas Carol with the Doctor. Um, and, and, so, and so on and so forth. And so this is a, it's, a, it's a timeless classic. It's a beloved classic. By so many, uh, as well as myself, um, and I thought it would be really, really fun to just kind of talk about it and talk about all the, you know, try to try to go into you know, talk about some of the more popular versions that have existed over the past, you know, twenty something, thirty. Wow, I keep I keep thinking of the eighty or twenty years ago, and as we just mentioned, the nineties <laughs> were thirty years ago. So let me rephrase that: fifty years, like a fifty-year swath of of Christmas Carol. And even more so, actually, we're talking more like um, like 70, 80 years, because we're going all the way back. We're going back to like nineteen thirties and stuff. So, yeah, we're we're talking like a huge, almost one hundred year history, uh, trying to hit all the highlights, uh, highlighted adaptations that we can of a Christmas story or a Christmas Carol, or as some versions are called, Scrooge. Um, so. The first thing I wanted is I want first obviously the first couple that come to mind immediately when you go back is you go back to the 1930s, 1940s, 1950s, and there are two that stick out during that time period. There's the one with Reginald Van Owen, and the one with Alistair Sim, which the one with Alistair Sim has two different titles. It has A Christmas Carol, and it is also known as Scrooge in some releases. Um, those are the those are almost considered uh, the bar where the bar is set. A lot of Christmas carols are compared to those two. Those are the ones. Now, granted, there were one, there were there were versions of Christmas Carol that came out before that, even as far back as in the silent era. Um, I, we're not covering those one because some of those are really hard to find, and two, 
yeah, there's there's really not much that really stands out about them other than like, oh, this original you know silent film version of a Christmas Carol was 15 minutes long, and oh yeah, okay, it it, it did what it did. I kind of really want to see that one for some reason. The I one think, that was, I think Amazon Prime has it actually. So in in the live action films, Scrooge or Marley's Ghost is in 1901, and that was a short. This is what Wikipedia tells me. It was the earliest surviving screen adaptation, but after that, there's one that was lost, but then there's an 11-minute silent story um, starring Mark McDermott and Charles Ogle. Yep. Um, and I, for some reason, that sticks out to me, and I want to hunt that down. <laughs> I like a nice 11-minute story. I am looking at it right now on Amazon. I hate it you. Is not, it, is, it is not on Amazon Prime. Um, it is... You have to basically have a seven-day free trial of Fandor. Whatever Fandor is, it sounds like something out of fucking Lord of the Rings. <laughs> the never-ending but, story. <laughs> but it's but yeah, but if you if if you start a seven-day free trial with Fandor, you can actually watch this eleven-minute nineteen ten classic, A Christmas Carol. It I guarantee it probably hits all the major beats. It probably cut it, it well. It's obviously going to have to cut out all the meat of the story. Um, but. Yeah, it's uh, it's there if you if you wanna if you wanna do the trial thing. Um, which huh. I, I don't not no. for, not not for an eleven minute short. Um, <laughs> well, and I I should back up a bit before we before we continue. So for anybody for for that one person out there that might be listening to us tonight who doesn't know what a Christmas Carol is, it is a story by Charles Dickens that is his. Um, social commentary. He pu- he published it in 1843. Um, it is his social commentary on greed, um, on uh, the uh, our our inability to uh, to tap into the goodness of our hearts for for our fellow man. It, it's mostly really about about you know pe- the the pursuit of wealth and greed and profit uh, at the expense of uh, humanity. Um, it's a timeless story, because I guarantee you right now, even nowadays, this story is 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 more important than ever. Um, it is still just as uh, just as integral to to our to our lives as a lesson as it ever was. Um, and it's it starts off as you know Ebenezer Scrooge is a miser. He's a he has a counting house. Which the book never really specifies what his job is. Uh, different adaptations have given him different jobs. All he ever says is it's a counting house. So I don't know if he does taxes. I don't know what that necessarily means. Uh, some adaptations have made him uh, where he sells uh, where he sells stuff like corn. Uh, you know, uh, um, another one basically says that he, you know, he's almost like a. Um, uh, what do they call it? Uh, basically, he they, they sign their name to, to to like important documents for 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 a fee or whatever. Um, Notary public. Notary public, something like that. Yes, thank you. Uh, I knew you were going to jump. I, I was I was hoping you were going to jump in on that. One, <laughs> um, but it's it's never really clear. It just they mention a counting house and they never really make it clear what they're signing or what they do. All we know is that Ebenezer Scrooge is rich beyond measure. He, but he's a miser. He, he he penny pinches. He he won't share his money with anyone. He's lonely. He's mean. He's cruel. And uh, he has a he has a clerk named Bob Cratchit who works for him for fifteen bob a week, fifteen shillings, um, and not very well paid. 
And, you know, Cratchit, just, it's Christmas Eve. Uh, uh, his, his ex-partner, uh, Marley, um, Jacob Marley, died seven years ago that very night on Christmas Eve that the story is told. And it's, it's, a, it's, a, it's a story about a man who gets visited by three spirits after getting visited by the ghost of Jacob Marley to warn him, who's give, trying to give him a chance and again, this is where the redemption story comes into play because here is here's a man who is just as greedy and evil and awful and sinister who dies, who has basically become a ghost and he's fettered with chains that go miles and miles that he created himself in the in, you know because of his life. And even then, even so, seven years later, which seven, there, there has to be, I'm guessing this, the, the fact that it's seven years later is probably a Christian symbol um, because there, there's definitely the story definitely is, is ripe with, with Christian symbolism, um, but he comes to Jacob Marley and he says he's got he got him a chance. He's trying to save his soul, and he tells him he's going to be visited by three spirits: the ghost of Christmas past, present, and Christmas yet to come. And they're going to teach him the true meaning of Christmas so that he will be a better man for it. And of course, is what happens: they each spirit visits old Ebenezer Scrooge takes him to the past, the present, and the future to show him all the things that that could change or ha- or, 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 or all the things as they were, the things that could change him. And by the end of it all, he becomes a better man. He wakes up Christmas morning and he's just changed and he's better and he's happy and he's carefree. <coughs> Excuse me. And he makes up with his nephew, his, uh, his nephew Fred, who is the son of his uh, daughter, or not his daughter, his sister, who is deceased. He makes good with Bob Cratchit, who has a son named Tiny Tim, who, again, the book never specifies what illness Tiny Tim has. Uh, there has been speculation as to what the illness is. Um, I think uh, anything from, like, polio to, like, a, uh, to, to like a spinal problem. I always thought the, polio. Yeah, that polio would be the popular one right around that time. <laughs> it's a popular disease for you. That's yeah, a polio. Well, yeah, really. Um, but there, it's never really stated in the book. Um, never really seen any of the adaptations either, but he walks around with a crutch. Uh, you know, he's kind of lame uh, in the traditional sense, not in the, you know, the, the vernacular sense. Um, but, you know, one of the things that the, that the spirits show Ebenezer Scrooge is that Tiny Tim will die, and this touches his heart. So when he becomes a good man, he promises that he's going to raise Cratchit's salary and help take care of his boy and be like a second father to the family. And, and, and help them out and just and be generous and wonderful and merry. Um, it is a, it is a, again, I can't say it enough, it is a timeless classic. It is one of my favorites of all time. I read it every, oh, well, I read it almost every year when I, when I, when I can. I have the book uh, or a copy of the book here at home. And Charles <coughs> Dickens, Charles Dickens, besides, besides A Christmas Carol, is just an incredible, incredible author. Oh, absolutely. Um, and... One of the one of the things that I I love that he did in Oh to Live in you know eighteen hundreds England, um, which is very, it, it's kind of even though it was very very um, bleak in in some of the some of the versions, there's still a mystique of that era of England that is is kind of I I don't know why it's cool to me but it's cool to me, sure. but. One of the things that I loved was that he started in um, in 1852 um, in Birmingham town Birmingham town town hall, 
He started giving public readings of it, and he did that 127 times before he died. And it was it w- it was done, you know, by by him to be able to sit right. there and listen to a Christmas Carol being being read by the writer is just it. I, I can't even imagine. I like get chills thinking about it. Speaking of which, um, this actually is a good tie-in. It's not it's not a Christmas Carol specifically, but if if for those of you who are listening and Rob for you as well, if you have not, I highly recommend watching The Man Who Invented Christmas. Uh, it came out in 2017. It's on Amazon, I think, for rent. I I actually managed to catch it when it was on Amazon Prime, but I don't think it's on Amazon Prime right now. Why do I think I've seen that? Um, you might have. It came out in 2017. Um, it uh, Charles Dickens is played by the guy from the TV show Legion, um, Dan Stevens. And it basically is all about him trying to create this Christmas novel in a time when everybody's like, why are you... Because because at that time Christmas apparently wasn't really that big like that highly celebrated. Um, it was it was kind of like it was like yeah Christmas is a thing and we, we but it wasn't like you know <clears throat> as you know as, as huge as it is now. And it's really all about him. Christopher Plummer uh, plays Scrooge uh, in a in a great performance. Ooh, I like that. Um, it's it's really it's yeah it's really just about Charles Dickens conceiving of the idea of a Christmas Carol and it's really really well done. I enjoyed the hell out of it. I wanted to try to watch it again before this episode. Uh, we, we we recorded this episode, but I couldn't get to it in time. Um, but I highly recommend it. It's 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 a fantastic little uh, I guess docudrama kind of thing. Uh, great cast. Um, just wonderful wonderful film. Go go and, check it out. And as we speak, the latest version of A Christmas Carol is being um, is being played right now on. Is it FX. TNT? It's on FX. 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 Yep, yep it's and, airing right now on FX. It is a darker, more ghoulish take. It is uh, a little bit harsher in tone. It's kind of supposed to be edgy and like and like gritty. Um, I, I'm 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 going into it. I I definitely I wish we could have watched it before we started recording tonight. Um, but I'm definitely going in it with with caution. I'm because I'm very much a purist when it comes. You'll what, what you all you'll all find this out throughout the rest of this episode. And I'm very much a purist when it comes to a Christmas Carol. Um, and uh, in in every sense. So, um, but yeah, it'll be interesting to see how this plays out because there was a couple things I saw in the trailer that I wasn't really keen on. Agreed. They kind of, kind of sent a chill up my spine, and I'm there was one that I saw. Just the other day was it's, it came out in 1971. Uh, actually, a really good adaptation. Uh, only a half an hour long. It apparently aired on NBC after the Thanksgiving Day Parade every year uh, back in the early mid 70s. Um, but it uh, it basically has Alistair Sim, the the original Scrooge from the from the 1950s version, reprising his role as Ebenezer Scrooge. The animation style is incredible. Uh, there definitely seems to be a lot of rotoscoping. I'm impressed with how well they adapted the book, considering all the. Because in a half an hour, you can't do everything that's in the book. It's impossible. Um, but they managed to take everything. They managed to truncate it in a way that I actually like. And I'm not a big fan of, of, of movies that heavily truncate what's in the book, because there's a lot of really great nuance nuances. A lot of really great, like like little details and stuff that make the book so rich and wonderful. And for me, just even like even missing a single beat uh, it takes a lot away for for me. 
Uh, a lot of adaptations like to take away uh, either like one or two of the uh, of of of, uh, of Ebenezer's uh, events in his past. Uh, some adaptations will take away the fact that you know the, the where he was brought up in a, as a as a boy in school uh, at the private school. Some of them will take out parts of Fezziwig's t- story um, or truncate that. And it's just you know it's. I will say this. I, I will let me let me stop for a second and say this. There is not a version of a Christmas Carol that I do not like. I love every I love every version of a Christmas Carol because I just I love the story so much. It doesn't matter. It's just that there are ones that I will like more depending on, uh, you know, how good of an adaptation they are. The more, the better your adaptation is, the more I'm going to love you. And when we get to my favorite, you'll you'll see why. Um, so we have the Alistair Sim and the and the Regent of Elm version. Very classic tales. Both have a really great cast of characters. Both have great performances. Um, I will say this, uh, Joey Petten, who you know you guys are very familiar with, he's been on the show many times, especially last week, he made a good point that there is a Shakespearean delivery to the way A Christmas Carol is usually performed, whether it be on stage or even some of the earlier incarnations. And he's not wrong. No. He's actually very, very right. I never really thought about it because I love the Shakespearean aspect to it. Um, and he's not wrong. He's, he's very much right. And it's something I never really thought about before until he brought it up uh, in conversation um, uh, on the on our Facebook page a couple a couple days ago because uh, as you guys know uh, R&D has a Facebook page we've been putting up uh, we've been putting up posts to try to get people engaged to get our, our listeners engaged so they can kind of participate um, and that was one of the things that he brought up was because he mentioned the fact that the Michael Caine performance in Muppet Christmas Carol is very subtle and very downplayed and very more realistic and grounded and he's, and again He's not wrong. He's very, very correct. Um, well, he's playing against Muppets, like Joe said. Right. So he basically has to play small because they're playing big, and it's it's actually it's uh, that makes it uh, an even better adaptation that I originally. I I love that movie. Don't get me wrong, but it, it definitely fell down a few rungs for a couple of reasons. But that point actually brought it up a couple of rungs. I would say, in my opinion, um, none of those rungs are bad. I want to reiterate that. Bad rungs. but um he's right and it's one of the reasons why the one that i love the most is the patrick stewart version that came out in 1999 on tnt same thing um patrick stewart doesn't do a shakespearean delivery of it although i'm sure he probably did when he when it was when he made it a one-man show uh in uh on the british stage for for many years uh back home in england uh before he did the tnt version um, but in the TNT version, again, very, very realistic, very, uh, very down to earth, very grounded portrayal. Um, a lot of subtle nuance and stuff that really make the performance stand out. Um, but that's not to say I don't love the Shakespearean uh, approaches to it as well. It's just the oh, just you know, it's just like it's like bah humbug, you know. You keep Christmas in your way. Let me keep it in mine. mine. Like, that is, to me, is just as much fun as just going, nephew. You keep Christmas in your way. You let me keep it in mine. Like it's. Just- See, I yeah. I mean, I just like the Victorian, you know, Ebenezer Scrooge guy. I mean, that's sure. that's. I don't. I don't dislike the other side. I'm. I'm very much like you in the, in this case, uh, but I do. It, there's a properness to British talk. Sure. You know, um, 
I'm doing this show right now called Frost Nixon, and listening to our Frost speak, because he is a British um, interviewer, it, it, it's very much the same way. So I always view, for me, I always view Christmas Carol as British, and I always view the, the Brits in that being very, very fancy. Yes, fancy, with monocles and mustaches and whatever. Um, but yeah, that that's how I see that. So I don't dislike any non-fancy speaking people, but I understand. Yeah, I, I love it all. I it, it all it all serves a purpose. It, I, I love them all for different reasons. They all do an amazing job. Um, it's stupid. No, you're wrong. <laughs> I mean, that may be true, but you know, that's only because you're wrong in saying that I'm wrong. So. Right. <laughs> um, but yeah, they're... Um, Again, you know, you're, you, when when you're growing up, you, you come off the Alistair Sim, you come off Redgrove and Owen ones first, you know. And for the longest time, those are the ones that really may, had the most um, airplay. Uh, I mean, there were other ones too. I mean, obviously, Mickey's Christmas Carol is a big one. That's Mickey's Christmas Carol is definitely one that a lot of us Gen Xers and, and even the even people before us, the the generation before the Baby Boomers, grew up with that one as well because that's an old one, um, very very classic tale. Um, Again, half an hour. They did an amazing job. Scrooge McDuck is obviously the perfect Scrooge. Um, I, I, I love the I, I love the digs they take at the you know and the, 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 the cleverness that the the digs you know making Goofy the the Marley ghost and having him trip and do the yeah that he does. Like it's amazing stuff. I love Mickey's Christmas Carol with all my heart. It's it has a special place. It's 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 classic Disney. It really is. Um, there were other adaptations. Uh, the Flintstones did an adaptation back in the '80s that got a lot of airplay. Um, there was, uh, you know, and so th- th- there's there were a few. There were there were definitely a few that came out um, around that time. A lot, lot of made-for-TV stuff uh, that got airplay. Uh, another good one um, that I I just saw. It's definitely interesting. It's it was, it was in 1954. Uh, basically. It is um, Frederick March, who a lot of people will know as uh, Dr. Jekyll and Mr. Hyde. Uh, Basil Rathbone. Basil Rathbone, right. A lot of people know as um, as uh, Sherlock Holmes. Um, both very, very uh, good actors of their time. They did a version, an hour-long version of A Christmas Carol back in 1954. I watched it for the first time the other day. Really interesting stuff. Um, definitely take a lot, a, a lot of liberties due to the, the, the shortness of the... It's 51 minutes long. Um, one of the things that they did differently that I've never seen anybody do differently before is they have this whole sequence where they focus on the Queen of England uh, and, her, and her people getting ready for Christmas. Has nothing to do with the rest of it at all. Doesn't even come back around by the end of the tale. Just... Here's the queen sitting down. <laughs> Meanwhile, in another movie, here's the queen sitting to Christmas dinner. <laughs> now let's go back to Scrooge. You know, it's like already in progress. Like, all right, that's weird. Uh, another, another <laughs> it's really British. Good. Yeah, I mean, you know, it's it, it is what it is. It's pretty good. I mean, it's I liked it. Um, it was a good adaptation. Um, Frederick March, you know, basically wore some makeup uh, prosthetics to 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 change his face to be Scrooge. Um, Basil Rathbone, actually, I liked his Marley a lot. Um, very well done. Um, so, 
you know, moving past the the older ones, you know, we get into the more modern day. We get into the seventies and the sixties. Well, the sixties and the seventies. We get into the seventies. Let's get into the seventies. Um, not a lot of major uh, Christmas Carol adaptations between Alistair Sim and and uh, and the seventies. Like those are the two big ones for the longest time. Um, so we get into the seventies, and all of a sudden we get like two interesting. Adaptations. I believe the Albert Finney one came out in the 70s, did it not? 1970, on the nose. So the Albert Finney one comes right off the cusp of 1960s, in the 1970s. You have the Albert Finney version. This is an incredible one. Um, I remember watching this as a kid. I really, really love it. I love Albert Finney's portrayal. This is the first one that I know of that is a musical. Um, for me, that takes a couple notches off. Oh! <gasps> Oh, 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 and here's why. I love musicals. Do not get me wrong. I do not need my Christmas Carol to be a musical. Yes, you do. I think, no, I do not. <laughs> I do not. I guarantee I do not. I, I love musicals as a whole. Don't get me wrong. I, I love I love the Albert Finney uh, version of A Christmas Carol. I, I really, really do. I love it. I love it. I love it. I just, uh, I do not need my Christmas Carol to be a musical because it's they're, they're not singing in the book. You know, to me. <laughs> it's literally called A Christmas Carol. And not only that, fun fact, <laughs> it's also it's also told in staffs or staves. Staves. S-T-A-V-E-S or S-T-A-F-F-S. So. So it's poetry, <laughs> not music. Shh. Hush you. Like, I'm, 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 really, I'm kidding about, the, about, about that aspect of it. It's, it I don't really... It's, but in all seriousness, though, like, I'm, I'm not... Because it's one of the reasons why uh, I'm Up at Christmas Carol isn't as high up on my list as it is for other people, too. Because, again, they get into musical numbers, and I just... I, I just I'm, I'm over here like, the, like the, those scenes from, uh, um, from uh, Monty Python and the Holy Grail. I'm like the, I'm like the group of, of, of knights going, Get on with it! <laughs> um... Every time somebody breaks out into songs, I'm like, because it's, it was never, it was never built to be a musical, so the musical numbers are, are vary. Uh, I will say that I do like the musical numbers in A Muppet Christmas Carol more than the musical numbers in, and again, I'm not saying that the ones in Albert in Albert Finney's version, which I believe that's actually called Scrooge, not A Christmas Carol. Correct. Um, they're not bad. I I like them well enough. It's just, I will say this though. One thing that the Albert Finney Scrooge has hands down over any other adaptation that is amazing. Fucking Albert Finney Scrooge going to fucking hell. Yes. No other adaptation of A Christmas Carol or Scrooge has him just literally in hell. And that sequence is fucking chilling. It is so it is so well done. It totally it is it it, it just sends chills up your spine. It's visually stunning. It, it, it's, it's it's such a, it's a great sequence. It is probably one of the best sequences I've seen in any adaptation because of how it's done. Um, and that's one of the things that, that that's a that's a huge you know saving grace for that one. Um, just an amazing uh, amazing sequence. Like so fucking Ebenezer Scrooge in hell, like literally in hell. He's like, ah, oh, there's hell. You know. So my my Christmas Carol story with Scrooge version. Starts in special chorus, which was for the better singers, which I guess I was, um, in third grade. So we're talking like early 80s. And our 
music or chorus director, chorus teacher, music teacher, um, Mr. Cortez was a huge Broadway type guy, huge musical fan, uh, just just loved, loved, loved it. And so we had to sing two songs from it, and it's Thank You Very Much um, and December the 25th. And those are, you know, two two great songs from the show. I can't tell you how December the 25th goes anymore, but I do remember, and I swear to God, to this day, I still, whenever I say thank you very much to someone in my head, I'm going, thank you very much, thank you very much, that's the nicest thing that anyone's ever done for me, uh, all the time. <laughs> I mean, like, literally in my sure, head. Sure. Um, Albert Finney is not the greatest singer in the world. Um, he doesn't have to be. Uh, I, I, I don't. I don't. I don't think Scrooge needs to be. I think. No. I think having him not be the best singer in the world, I think, is the right way to go. And it's funny because not far too long after that, it was it was uh, twelve years. He starred as Daddy Warbucks and Annie. Right. And <clears throat> again, it's funny. He even says, "You know, I can't sing," and the president says, "That's an order from your commander in chief." And so he sings tomorrow. <laughs> um, but yeah, Albert Finney, he doesn't need to sing. I mean, Scrooge doesn't need to sing. Um, I, I think the show overall as a whole, it, you know what it really brings to life for me? It really brings to life Fezziwig. That, that oh, yeah. Yeah, the yeah. office. I, I mean, <laughs> literally the original, the original office. <laughs> <laughs> um, I could totally see Dwight Schrute being in there. Oh, God. Oh, anyway. God. <laughs> uh, but, yeah, it, it brings certain parts of the story to, uh, you know, to life more for me. And if you go and you look at any version of A Christmas Carol, there are there, there's lots of examples of, of music in every single one of them. Um, you know, whether it's the people singing Ha 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 Christmas Carols um, or just background music. I, it, it, to me, it, if, well, not the silent version, but <laughs> every other version seems to have this rich music to it. And watching that music come to life. And it's one of those things where a lot of people don't like, like, a lot of people don't like people just breaking out into song for anything. That And that's always been, you know, even as an actor that's been in many, many musicals, that's always been the thing like, that's not real life. You don't go up to someone and say, I hate you, and then be like, I hate you, I'm going to kill you. It doesn't work like that. That's not life. Oh, my but, God. I, 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 think you were singing, <laughs> I think you were singing the, uh, the, the that song that was on the radio in Star Trek Four. <laughs> but that's not real life. But I always, I always think that that's going to happen in real life that's why i love flash mobs and if you don't know what a flash mob is oh, go out yeah. and youtube it i don't care if it's a wedding a proposal just that's people in a mall singing les mis i don't care go watch it it's fun you know it's funny you should mention that too like you're and you're right like there every version of a christmas carol does have some singing in it but it's usually within the context of the story uh, you know, the the two main places where you usually find singing is usually at Fezziwig's. Uh, either either old Fezziwig himself or somebody else will do a live little tune. But it's 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 not meant to be a musical. Like it's not it's not existing outside of the narrative. It's actually part of the narrative. They're singing at the party. Um, the other one, the other the other t place that I've seen singing is at uh, at Fred's um, in the uh, Patrick Stewart version of A Christmas Carol. 
um, there is a there is a little bit of singing going on at Fred's party. Uh, again, it's uh, it's part of the party experience. It's not existing outside of the narrative. It's actually existing in the narrative as part of like, oh hey, you know, we actually know that we're singing because we're singing because we're you know doing carols or whatever. Um, and that I, that I don't mind. And 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 again, I don't really mind mu- the musical version of a Christmas Carol either. It's just it's not as high up on the uh, on the on the like scale for me just because. Um, I, I just I like to just get on with the story and just and just and tell it. Sure, uh, it's a rich story on its own without the need for people bringing in the song. Sure, uh, and one one of the coolest things though for any story that's out there that is a beloved story is watching so many different versions of the same tale, and I don't know that there's any other thing on this planet that's ever been written except for the bible um (laughs) that has been told in so many different ways so i would challenge you that a christmas carol may be the greatest story ever told um (laughs) (laughs) i can't do it as well as donnie but i'll give you two two more things and then we'll move on from scrooge the musical um that i uh, one thing i i don't like and the other thing i do like I do not like the movie poster at all. Go take a look at the movie poster. It's horrible. And the tagline is really, really bad because they want you to think that it's a parody. And they actually say, what in the dickens have they done to Scrooge? Ugh, really? (laughs) That's number one. But number two, the thing that I love the most is that Obi-Wan Kenobi plays Jacob Marley. (laughs) That is a good one. That is a good one. Alec Guinness. Um... You know, seven years before he would, he would don, don the Jedi robes as the original, the the OG Obi Wan Kenobi, um, and Ewan McGregor has taken over that that uh, that helm very very, very well. But yeah, I mean, Alec Guinness is is not sucky in anything he does. There is nothing bad that he does. And if anybody says they do, send me your address, and I will come over to your house and tell you differently. Um, but yeah, he's he's incredible, absolutely incredible. Later on, that in in uh, during that time, in uh, I believe 1977, I think it was. I want to say like 77 or 78. Um, there was another version of a Christmas Carol to come out. Only this one changed things up a bit uh, for the first time, as far as I know, uh, ever. And it was called an American Christmas Carol. And uh, basically, it starred uh, Henry Winkler, as everybody knows, as the Fonz. In fact, this this was right fresh off of, so I think Happy Days. Oh man, Happy Days ended, I think, in the late seventies, early eighties. So this might have this right it was right around the time, either right towards the tail end of his t- time as the Fonz. Uh, but he plays, and it's it's called an American Christmas Carol because it takes place in like the nineteen forties. It takes place right around like the time of like. Uh, the Depression, uh, the Great Depression, um, which is actually what that's the nineteen nineteen twenties. That that's nineteen twenties. Yep. So let me let me start over. So it takes place in the nineteen twenties during the Great Depression, and it stars Henry Winkler in old age makeup. Which the old age makeup for when this came out is actually not bad. Um, so he plays a character named Benedict Slade, and Benedict Slade is a repo man of sorts. He uh, he has uh, become 
uh, super rich by coming up with a uh, a prosperous uh, concept called layaway. Uh, they don't call it layaway in the movie, but what he does is he has come up with this idea that, oh, you want an item? All right. So you will base, uh, you will put a down payment on that item. You will take that item home, but you must, be, you must make payments on that item. If you stop making payments on an item, I will come and take it from you. And, of course, he plays that to the hilt. He has his own version of Bob Cratchit, uh, a young man who has a family. Uh, this time, the boy, uh, the illness is not like polio. Um, I don't remember what they well, what they said he had. It's some weird illness where they have to go to like Australia for the surgery uh, to make him better, and but they can't afford it, and it's weird. Um, but anyway, so he goes around in this little 1920s little truck and goes and 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 repossesses stuff from all these different people. Uh, you know, he goes to this old man who has a bookstore, and he, and in fact, they even show that one of the books in the bookstore is original printing of A Christmas Carol, and he takes it because he's like, well, I'll use the leather, I'll take, I'll strip the leather from it, and I'll use that, you know, to make my shoes or something like that. But, uh, it's a really interesting adaptation because of the fact that it, it, it doesn't go traditional, it doesn't go, it, 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 it like I said, taking place in the 1920s during the Depression, it's an interesting time to, to go by. Because uh, it really accentuates the the height of, of uh, prosperity versus um, poverty uh, during a time like that. Um, but Henry Winkler's performance is good. Uh, I like it. He, uh, you know, the the not really much of a, a well known cast. Otherwise, he's really the standout there. Uh, there's a couple of character actors you may recognize here and there, but nothing. No, nobody real major names or anything. The interesting part is is that the 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 ghost of Christmas past, present, and future, they kind of go the the Wizard of Oz realm uh, route, where each of those ghosts is looks like somebody that he uh, has repossessed an item from. Um, and of course, probably in a, a, in a slight bit of racism. So you have, like, the bookstore owner uh, is the ghost of, I think the ghost of Christmas past, and then you have this other guy is the ghost of Christmas present, and, and in each case, the ghosts show up um, after you hear, like, because he has he has one of those you know old radios, uh, old timey radios that because that's the you know all they had back in the 1920s was radio. So every time the radio starts, instead of the the bells chiming, every time the radio turns on, it'll like it, for the Ghost of Christmas Past, it'll play music from like the past. Um, for the for the, for the present, it'll play music from the present, and for the future. It plays disco music, huh. which is funny, you know, because I mean, <laughs> this, you know, because because nineteen seventies, we're in the, we're we're in the middle of the, or we're, we're getting towards the tail end of the disco era, so of course they're gonna make they're gonna put disco in it if they can. Now, here's where the races, the, the possible racism might come into play because one of the one of the one of the people that uh, Mister Slade is taking or repossessing uh, furniture from is this this black couple. And, of course, the black guy is the ghost of Christmas future, and he's decked out in the big butterfly collar, and he's, you know, looking like all 70s, like, like jive. And I'm kind of like, I mean, it might not be, but then I'm like, maybe, because that is a very, well, it was a very popular thing back in, the, back in the 70s, so that might be a little racist, making the black guy <laughs> the ghost of Christmas future. 
you know, looking like a jive guy. I don't know. Um, either way, it's really, really well done considering um, at, by the very end, of course, obviously, Mr. Slade, you know, learns his lesson, ends up adopting a boy at a local uh, at a local orphanage because you find out that Slade was an orphan growing up as well. Uh, and he had a he had a man that, who took him under his wing and basically you know uh, made him uh, uh, you know basically gave him a career uh, doing you know you know which is how he got rich. Uh, so it's it's an interesting it's an interesting take. I, I like it. I watched it the, for the first time when I was a kid, probably in like eighty five, eighty six, somewhere in there. No, more like eighty four, kind of like eighty three, eighty four. It was it, showed, it popped up on TV. I was intrigued. I watched it. I'm like, yeah, oh, that's cool. I, I finally watched it again for the first time in over 30 years uh, on Amazon Prime uh, the other night because I was because it popped up. I'm like, holy shit! I forgot about this version, so I watched it. I like it. Still holds up pretty well, uh, all things considered. Like I said, it is a TV adaptation, like a made-for-TV movie, uh, so it's not really big and grandiose, uh, but it's good. I, I, I recommend it. Um, that that kind of that kind of segues into what I was going to talk about next. Oh no! <laughs> it, if, if you're done with that, I will segue yeah. on to what I was no, going to go right ahead. Talk right, about. That's 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 all I wanted to say about that, as Ford Gump would say. <clears throat> oh, <clears throat> so staying on the, the the subject of TV and the TV adaptations of or the TV versions of A Christmas Carol or Scrooge or whatever we are going to call it at this moment. Um, when I was a kid, we had uh, HBO, and HBO, without fail, every Christmas time, played three things that have become near and dear to my heart. Number one is Emma Otter's Jug Band Christmas, which is a Christmas classic for everybody to watch, yep. and even though I know it's past Christmas now, um, I hope that you can go out and uh, it, it's on it's on DVD. I don't think it's on Blu-ray, but it is on DVD. Um, Wait, then, let's, let's, let's be honest. The Christmas season pretty much lasts until New Year's. So Correct. I think, I think there's still a, I think there's still a, a, a plenty of leeway here. Easily, easily. So yes, go and actually, Emma Otter is a is a movie that I could watch pretty much all year round. Doesn't matter. It's phenomenal, and there is a blooper reel, which is very, very, very rare for any kind of uh, puppeteering shows or a cartoon. I mean, it's almost like impossible. Like, where would you get a blooper reel? There is a phenomenal blooper reel, all having to do with one scene. It runs about probably eight minutes long. It's on the YouTubes. And it, it shows this one scene being filmed of, of Emma Daughter's Drug Band Christmas that is just absolutely drop on, on your ass, roll on the floor, hilarious. It's just gut-busting laugh funny anyway on your ass yes yes have you ever seen that donnie yeah the 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 um the uh the otter christmas yes the the blue the bloopers or no no, not i haven't seen the bloopers oh my god need to watch it i've only i've only seen the main uh, yes the main movie phenomenal phenomenal show um but they played emma daughter's joke man christmas they played freddy the freeloader's christmas dinner which is without a doubt one of my favorite things on this planet uh red skelton is is just incredible incredible actor um it also has vincent price it has imogene coca um it's just it's a great movie very very heartfelt red skelton sings some great numbers um 
but yeah, that's another one. Check it out. You you won't be disappointed. I don't think anyway. But the other one that always played with with pretty much in my house with those other two. Um, I think we we recorded them to to VHS, and I think we wore out that VHS pretty quick. Um, was Rich Little's A Christmas Carol. Now, the most unique thing about this is that in in this show, Rich Little plays every single one of the main characters he imitates that's what he was good for impressions he gives impressions of wonderful bygone and still alive at the time celebrities playing these roles and i'm gonna i'm just gonna go through a few of them so wc fields as ebenezer scrooge paul lind as uh, bob cratchit (laughs) <laughs> Richard Nixon as Jacob Marley. Oh no. Humphrey Bogart as the ghost of Christmas past. Groucho Marx as Fezziwig. James Stort as Dick Wilkins. Uh, Peter Falk as Columbo as the ghost of Christmas present. Gene Stapleton as Edith Bunker as Mrs. Cratchit. Truman Capote as Tiny Tim. Peter Sellers as Inspector Clouseau slash the ghost of Christmas yet to come. Uh, Jack Benny as a boy. James Mason, George Burns, and John Wayne as the three businessmen. Oh my gosh. And now I I can tell Donnie's reaction already because I know that he did go out looking for this and didn't find it. He's going to go watch it now because he needs to see this movie. It It's very faithful to me, to the the spirit of the story. Sure. Um, it does deviate from some things, obviously. Uh, but, oh my God, it, it's... It, it sounds amazing. It, I, I, it's funny because I used to watch HBO all the time growing up. That's how I, you know, HBO, Cinemax, uh, Showtime. That's how I got most of my... You know, that's how I saw movies since we couldn't afford to go to the theater. So I don't know how I missed this special because this is definitely something that I would have watched the shit out of growing up because I loved Rich Little growing up. I mean, Rich Little, I love him. and I, just, I, I love everything he's ever done. He's such an, an amazing professional. Uh, he's really great at his, uh, as his impersonations. Uh, just a funny, funny guy. I, I, I'm definitely going to seek this out. Uh, after we're done and watch it because I really need to watch this bad. Yeah, I, it just, it, it's one of those things that sticks with you and from the opening scene where I think there's a voiceover because I haven't seen it in a couple of years and if I remember correctly, like there's this voiceover and like um, someone goes to throw a snowball or snow at W.C. Fields who is playing, you know, Scrooge and the narrator is like, but wait, and so, like, there's this freeze frame of W.C. Fields about to get hit in the face with a snowball or snow. And, you know, then he goes on to his thing, and then they unfreeze frame it, and he gets smacked right in the face with a snowball. But, <laughs> and it's it's one of those things that's so stupid it's funny. I, I don't know, I, I don't know how else to describe it, but it's brilliant and stupid if you get my drift. I mean, there's a lot of things out there in the pop culture realm that are that are very much like that and and horror too um but the the breadth of characters that he portrays in this show 
are just ridiculous. And it's only an hour long. It, it's it's a quick hit. It's there and it's gone. But he is, oh my God, he is so, so good. So check that out. Um, it's available. And again, we are completely against bootlegging and all this other stuff, but it's out there. It's on the YouTubes. Um, it's 55 minutes. You can't find it anywhere else. It's not in... Um, you know, it's it, it's not <clears throat> commercially available anywhere. So, you know, if they're not going to play it on TV, I've got to tell our listeners to go out and go out and see it. You know, or you know, right. go out and find it, seek it out, and, and find it. Um, but yeah, that's that's the other one. And again, HBO played those three movies all the time. And Donnie, if you haven't seen Red Skelton's uh, Freddy the Freeloader's Christmas Dinner, you need to watch that too. Because as a as a person that is a, is as in love with heartfelt movies as I am, I think you'll love it. I'm yeah, absolutely. Check that one out too. I I was a huge fan of Red Skelton and Red Buttons. Oh, yeah. uh, as a kid, so I always got the two confused, but. Because uh, they both were very similarly named. <laughs> and it, it's uh, funny. Red, Red Skelton was a very political person behind the scenes. And he actually does something that normally with my, my very staunch independent beliefs, I'm not big rah, 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 you know, um, you know America, America. I'm, I'm not like that. I, I just, just not me. That's not what I see. But he does this version also of uh, the Pledge of Allegiance, which is just beautiful it's just stunningly beautiful um he was such a great stage performer absolutely fantastic so oh absolutely yeah um so yeah that that rich little's a christmas carol go out and see it emma Otto's drug band christmas please go out and see it and um you know friday the freeloaders christmas dinner go out and see that too <laughs> and moving on so now we're gonna get to the 80s and the 80s was rife with Christmas Carol adaptations, as we've said before. Um, by this point, a lot of your animated series, like the Flintstones, uh, a lot of your TV shows, like uh, Family Ties, uh, sitcoms, uh, a lot of them were doing adaptations of A Christmas Carol uh, during the holidays every year. Um, so you had a, like just a whole slew of uh, A Christmas Carol adaptations to choose from. Uh, some, you know, were, were more, uh, you know, were more faithful adaptations than others. Uh, some of them were more just to deliver certain aspects of, like, um, uh, you know, what whatever was going on for the characters during, you know, in the TV show was really more to kind of, it was tailored more towards them. Um, but through all this, there was a made-for-TV uh, adaptation of A Christmas Carol, which for the longest time, was my favorite go-to Christmas Carol. It was my favorite. It was the, what I thought was the best one ever made. It was the most faithful, and it had one of the best performances I've ever seen. And that is the one with George C. Scott as Ebenezer Scrooge came out on network television in 1984, um, had Angela Pleasance, uh, Pl the daughter of Donald Pleasance, as the ghost of Christmas past, Edward Woodward, who most people might remember from uh, The Equalizer during that time as the ghost of Christmas present. Um, and uh, David Warner, everybody's favorite bad guy from, you know, like, you know, movies like uh, like Star Trek. And uh, he was evil in uh, Time Bandits. He was Bob Cratchit. 
Um, Susanna York, who most people might know as uh, as uh, Jor-El's wife in the original Superman movie. Um, and so on and so forth. Just really, really decent cast. Um, a very young Joanne Wally, before she became Joanne Wally Kilmer, uh, played, um, uh, played young Ebenezer Scrooge's sister. Um, I remember when this first aired on TV when I was I saw it when it first aired as a kid and I loved it. I it brought the chills some of the visuals that they go with brought chills to me as a child that I've never had in an adaptation of a Christmas Carol before in my life. There's a scene where Ebenezer Scrooge is heading home and all of a sudden the camera cuts to a wider angle and you see this ghostly uh, horse-drawn hearse, glass hearse, roll by, and you just hear, and you see this ghastly-looking hearse just roll by Ebenezer and then disappear into the fog like it just fades into nothing. That scene alone gave me fucking... I'd never seen anything like that in an adaptation of A Christmas Carol up to that point. And I loved it. I was like, oh my god, that scared me. Um, And let's be honest, the performances are top rate. George C. Scott, not a Brit, but does an amazing job as Ebenezer Scrooge. He He brings a lot of... He's another one where he doesn't give it a lot of British Shakespearean bravado. He plays it very down and close to the vest. Um, he has some really interesting approaches to how he uh, says some of the, the, the lines that we all know. There's one in particular that really sticks out to me. Uh, most Ebenezer Scrooges, when they deliver the line, if I could go, if I could have my way, every idiot who goes about with Merry Christmas would be, you know, uh, would be... Um, you know, have, would have a steak of holly buried, or, you know, stiffed in his heart, and you know, buried in his own pudding and everything. Most yes. of them say it. Yes. Most most Ebenezer Scrooges say it with contempt. They say it just with a sneer. When uh, when George C. Scott's version of Ebenezer Scrooge says it, he starts laughing, just laughing in a very like mean manner. He's like, everybody, and, you know, he's like, he's like. If it had my way, every man who went around with Merry Christmas should be buried in his own pudding. And, and he starts laughing and, and with a stick of holly through his heart. Like, and I'm just like, holy shit. Like that. That was such a different, unique way of going about it. Because he's taking like morbid glee out of the idea. Not just being miserable about it. He is taking morbid glee out of the idea of just killing a person over having Christmas spirit. Like, holy shit. Like, that was different to me. Like, that was sinister. That wasn't just miserly. That was sinister. That was a CBS film, if I remember. I guess it was, it was, uh, it was, I believe it was a, uh, it was, um, um, what do they call it? It was, uh, it was a shared production between uh, not BBC, but it was it was it was it was CBS and and a British uh, a British production. So I believe they shared it. I think it was a, it was a joint uh, it was a joint venture between the two of them. But yes, it, it aired on CBS. And I remember um, I remember like there were full page advertisements in the newspaper. Yep. I mean, like this was a big 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 thing. Yeah. Um, 
Yeah, it was. It, it was one of the first times that such a huge deal had been made about an adaptation, even though so many had been made up to that point. Right. Yep. Yeah, I, I, I remember this quite well, and I have to agree. I mean, the, the cast as a whole I really liked. Um, I, I did love George C. Scott. I really did. Everybody else in this production is British except for George C. Scott. Right. Which is interesting. But, I mean, you never even think for a minute, because he doesn't really speak with a British accent, and you never think about it for a second. Like, it, it never even occurred to me growing up, and it's still I still sometimes just gloss over it. Like, I, I have to actually, like, stop and actually think, oh, he's actually speaking with his normal accent and everybody else is British. But it's just, it's just something that doesn't... He's so good in the performance that it never sticks out to me. Not like, you know, I don't know, some American actors who played British characters. Uh, <coughs> Kevin Costner! Kevin Costner! <coughs> oh, sorry. <laughs> oh, man. Unlike uh, other Robin Hoods. <laughs> I have an English accent. Um, but I... So... The George C. Scott version used to be not my number one favorite. It is currently my number two favorite only because, uh, as we'll get into in a little bit, the uh, the Patrick Stewart version is my number one favorite of all time. But the George C. Scott version is so good, it is still my number two. It does take a couple liberties. It does eliminate a couple of things from the book that I can't recall off the top of my head right this moment. Um, but... Uh, it's such a great performance. It's such a great adaptation. And, oh, a little known fact. Uh, one of the... Um, one of the women in uh, in the in the sequence in uh, Dorsey Scott's A Christmas Carol, there's the sequence when the ghost of Christmas yet to come, you know, takes him uh, to old Joe, the, uh, the, the guy who basically... Um, the, the pawn shop guy, the, the, the pawnbroker dude, old Joe. There are two, there are, well, no, there's actually in the George C. Scott version, I think there's only the one woman that comes in, uh, Mrs. Dilber. So the actress, the, old, the, older, the, the, the older actress that plays Mrs. Dilber in the George C. Scott version reprises her role as Mrs. Dilber in the Patrick Stewart version, even though she's at least 20 years older, but still looks the part. It's, it's, it's really an interesting... It's interesting. Like it's, I, because I, I remember when I first watched the George C. Scott or the not the George C. Scott version, but the Patrick Stewart version. I'm like, she looks familiar. And then I, because I just watched the George C. Scott version a couple days before, and I went, oh my god, it's the same actress playing the same character in two different adaptations that were like 20 years apart. Um, that is a great that, fun fact. <laughs> yeah, it is. It's, it's a fun little thing that I that I found out. Um, Here, here's something else really, <laughs> really kind of ironic, is that. We, we made that little quip a few minutes ago about, unlike other Robin Hoods, I speak with a British accent. Um, Roger Rees was also in this movie. Yes, yes he was. <laughs> Roger Rees plays Fred, uh, Scrooge's nephew. Yep. yep. Um, good, yeah, nice. Nicely, n nice, nice connection yeah. there. Uh, also a really good British actor. Um, yeah, just, just a really great cast all around. Um, those who are Doctor Who fans um, will note that the young Ebenezer Scrooge is played by one of the Doctor's companions. I think uh, the redhead from uh, from the fifth Doctor's tenure. I can't remember his name off the top of my head. Um, but yeah, he uh, he plays young Ebenezer Scrooge in that adaptation. Um, and like I said, I 
I absolutely adore this version of Christmas Carol. It used to be my favorite. It has since been knocked down to the number two spot. Um, but uh, it's still, I still, I just watched it the other day. Uh, I still have a whole lot of love for it. Um, yeah, it's it's definitely so- it's it's one I highly recommend if you haven't seen it. Um, it's funny too because I and I want to I want to get into this real quick while I'm thinking of it because I've been meaning to do this. Um, <coughs> so going into the uh, uh, the Facebook post that we did on the R and D Project Facebook page, um, we asked all of you, uh, those of you who you know, uh, basically what your favorite version of a Christmas Carol was. Uh, most of you said either Scrooge, Scrooged. Uh, with Bill Murray or a Muppet Christmas Carol. Those are the those are the top two. Uh, Muppet Christmas Carol was in there. Um, Mickey's Christmas Carol was in there. Uh, I believe Gina mentioned that one. Um, the Jim Carrey version, which we'll talk about here real uh, in a minute. Um, and of course, the uh, George C. Scott and Patrick Stewart versions were also mentioned. Um, uh, you know, uh, to be fair, all all of the big ones were mentioned, but the ones that really I think got the most uh, mentioned were definitely the Muppet Christmas Carol, um, and I think the Alistair Sim versions were the ones that got the most love um, out of that whole thing. Um, so I just I wanted to bring that up real quick because I, I do want to make sure that we uh, talk about what you guys uh, you know everything that you guys talk about uh, on the page because we really want to make you guys a part of the show as much as possible. <clears throat> so I wanted to make sure I got that in there before uh, before we continued. Um, so 1984, George C. Scott, A Christmas Carol. <laughs> Great so, adaptation. <laughs> so I, I'm wondering, because that is among my favorites besides the original, original. <clears throat> and I'm wondering if it's because that may have been the first version we really connected to. Because I I remember it being tied in in school. Like, we were talking about it in school. Our teachers were telling us to watch it. Um, they had classes around A Christmas Carol and, and teaching, you know, talking about that. I think I would have been in maybe fifth, fourth, fourth grade, fifth grade, somewhere in that range. Well, and, that makes sense because they're tying it into literature, and of course, they want to get their kids to read. Exactly, and I mean, it was like a—I—I I, I want to say that there was a big tie-in with school. So, like, there was Scholastic magazines being sent home about it. Yeah. Um, you know, like it really felt like a like an old-time radio show, like Kraft Macaroni and Cheese presents George yeah, C. Yeah. Scott. You know, like one of those things. Yeah, like there yeah. were tie-ins, and this was unheard of, really in TV movies. Um, so it was a big deal. And I, I really think that that's the first version of A Christmas Carol that I really connected with. Here's another fun fact. Around the same time, I decided to take A Christmas Carol, the book, and it was the first thing, first screenplay, that I ever tried to write so, and back then, I, I didn't even care. I was just trying to get, like, format-type stuff down. Sure. I saw how screenplays were written, and I went into the book Christmas Carol and literally pulled it out 
almost line by line dialogue and then descriptions of what I would be seeing. Sure. And I think it's probably somewhere in my my collection of writing stuff from way back when, but it was it was really cool that I uh, that I you know attempted that. <laughs> and going back to what you were saying before, I think part of the reason why uh, I think there there was a huge push in the early to mid eighties, um, even into the late eighties, to get children to read. Yes. Um, there was the reading is fundamental uh, group, um, or or um, or. Um, what do you call it? Um, duh, I'm, I lost my thought of trains. Um, but it was it was a it was a big it was a big deal. Reading is fundamental. I think Ed Asner was one of the spokesmen for it. Riff. Um, yeah. <laughs> yes. Yep. Um, All those commercials. Damn it. You know, libraries are pushing it. Uh, uh, Pizza Hut had a. Uh, I remember this specifically in, in where I was growing up. Pizza Hut had a promotional thing. Where if you read so many books, uh, you would get a free pizza, a personal pan pizza. Um, so you had to—I think you had to read like ten books um, in like a month or something—and then you would get like a personal pan pizza. Like you got like—you had like a ticket, and then you get basically your library would like punch it or whatever. You take it in a pizza hut, and of course. So I mean, there was a lot. Of, there was a really huge push in the '80s to get children to read, and. Considering that the '80s really, the the '80s is when we're really starting to see the 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 big uh, the biggest growth in the TV generation. TV was really starting to come into its own. It was starting to become a, a huge thing. I mean, it had already you know it was already popular all the way back into the the, the '50s and '60s, but in uh, '70s, but it was really starting to become must see TV. Was starting to become a huge thing. Yep. And so I think the big push there was to try to. Use television to promote because you had a lot of during the early '80s. You had TV shows on Saturday mornings like OG Read More, which was this uh, cartoon cat that was trying to teach you how to read. You had the ABC After School Specials, which were usually uh, uh, live action adaptations of, of short stories or books or whatever. You had all these different uh, uh, attempts uh, by networks and television producers and and everything. To try to bring reading to children, and so they were all trying to do it. And so, yeah, I believe you're right. I think a Christmas Carol kind of became part of that whole effort uh, yes. because it was based on one of the biggest uh, literary uh, uh, classics of all time. Um, and so it was definitely like, oh, you know. So yeah, I think uh, yeah, I think like the book fair or the, or the book truck or whatever your school had at that time, the you know, like the Scholastic. They like those little Finley newspaper. Uh, um, newspaper quality uh, little flyers that you would get that had all the where you ordered all the books from. Yep. Like I believe that that was there. You know, I think they had a version of a Christmas Carol that had the the uh, uh, a poster the poster from the TV movie uh, as the cover uh, to help tie that in. Yeah, it was it was it was huge. It was it was the first time that, that I think such a huge deal had been made about this book. Uh, and again, I think it's just I think it's because it was the TV generation. Uh, trying to get children to read during that whole push that they were doing. Um, so, without further ado, I think we've I think we've uh, taken that one to task. Enough. Oh, there there is one more thing I want to mention, and what is before that, we before we move forward into the future, I need to go back to the uh, past <laughs> for one one minute because there is a version out there, an adaptation. It's not a version really of A Christmas Carol, but it's an adaptation that I never knew existed until I started doing research for this. And I meant to mention this to you earlier uh, today, Donnie, when I talked to you. And that is A Carol for Another Christmas, 
which was done by none other than the creator of the Twilight Zone, Rod Serling. And it also has Peter Sellers in it, which is really cool. Oh, wow. But it was... Um, it, it, the, the characters are not named Ebenezer Scrooge or anything like that, but it is... It was played in, it premiered in 1964, and it did not come back on TV until Turner, Turner Classic Movies put it back on starting in 2012, and it has aired every year since. And I have never seen this, so I'm going to. Um, I've never even heard of it. I didn't even know it existed until you mentioned it. Right. So by when now, by now you should see the link. You should have seen the links that I posted um, on the page. Phone, man. By the way, I'm I'm actually posting links on the page, so <laughs> I'll let this part out. But I have to say, by now, by now, you should have seen the links that I posted on the page to a couple of the things that you know um, we're talking about tonight. And I, I really hope you enjoy them as much as I know I did, um, as much as I hope Donnie does for the things that he hasn't seen. But I'm going to also um, the 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 link to the Rod Serling material is also up there. So when did um, it come out again? 1964. Wow. Yeah, and it was done as some tie-in with the United Nations and, you know, teaching about their mission. And I don't even know if that's mentioned in the in this movie itself or if it was, you know, something done during commercial breaks or, you know, special advertising things and, and things like that. So it's, um, yeah, it, it's... It was amazing when I saw that because I thought that I was one of the experts on Rod Serling. But I wasn't. <laughs> well, I, I had never you heard of that. Be an expert on something and still miss a thing here. Oh, but I mean, it was it was even written by him, and I was like, oh my god, you know. And I, I love the title, "A Carol for Another Christmas." Um, yeah, it, it, it's all of it. <laughs> uh, it was originally televised on ABC on December twenty eighth, nineteen sixty four. So hey. Look at that. We're talking about A Christmas Carol after Christmas, and this premiered after Christmas in 1964. And it was not shown again, like I said before, for 48 years until December 16th, 2012. Wow. Yep. And it was the only television program ever directed by Joseph Mankiewicz and contained Peter Sellers' first performance after recovering from a near-fatal heart attack in 1964. Wow. Yeah. Yeah, I'll definitely have to give that a shot. I have a lot to. Well, I mean, I'm. Yeah, I'm on vacation, so I can. I have time to watch this stuff. But you know, technically, we're fast forwarding into the future, so we could say you already watched it. I'm kidding. The link will be up uh, before this episode actually hits, so hopefully you've had time so, to enjoy it. So that actually means that I have to watch it. Right. If I say that, I have to. I, like, I'm. I'm. I, it puts me to task. Correct. I don't so like this. You have to go. Go. I have to send two week future Donnie back in time to now. <laughs> yeah. Anyway, <laughs> moving on. <laughs> so, getting away from the uh, George C. Scott Christmas Carol, we go. See, that came out in 1984. So we go four more years into the future of the 80s. By this point, like I said, every Tom, Dick, and Harry. Uh, on network TV had a version of A Christmas Carol that came out. There was probably a Golden Girls version that I don't even know or something. I don't know. They're, they're, like Everybody was doing it. But for the most part, it was other than the, the George C. Scott version, a lot of it was just really, really low-key stuff. Suddenly, 1988. Huge adaptation. Not a direct adaptation. And this is probably, uh, aside from An American Christmas Carol, 
This was probably the only the the, the first time that a, a a version of a Christmas Carol had come out that was not a direct adaptation. It was uh, it was it was because uh, it was basically about it was it was kind of a, a little bit of a satire, uh, but it was also you know it also followed the story. Um, but and this is one of the ones that everybody mentioned uh, in well not everybody but a lot of people mentioned uh, on the Facebook page on the R and D Project Facebook page. It is one of my absolute favorites. I don't consider it a true adaptation because it, you know, because it takes so many liberties and it's really its own story. It's just an adaptation of the story, not the book itself. The 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 immortal classic Scrooged, starring Bill Murray as um, Francis Xavier Cross, Frank Cross, works for IBC in the you know basically a television network that was made up for the movie. Beautiful story. Tell it to Reader's Digest. <laughs> <laughs> so Scrooge is definitely up there. I guarantee most of you, if not all of you, probably love that movie. It is one of the most beloved versions of the story that have ever been told. It is hilarious. It's got dark humor. It's got an all-star cast. It's fucking amazing. Like I said, you have... It, it it adds a few extra bits to it, like Bobcat Goldthwait as the as the uh, as the employee who basically gets drunk the entire or tries to get drunk the entire movie, and then just decides I'm gonna just blow people's heads off with a shotgun. Um, you have some great character work by Carol Kane, um, um, Buster Poindexter. Uh, you, you know you have you have. All the Murray brothers in one movie. You have Bill Murray. You have John Murray. You have Brian Doyle Murray. And you have Joel Murray. All four Murray brothers are in this film. John Murray plays his brother. Brian Doyle Murray plays his father. Um, Joel Murray plays the guest that's at uh, that's at his brother's uh, Christmas party. Like, just a small role. Like, it's weird. But, um... It's a, it's a, it's, it's, it's almost a perfect film. It is, you know, if it's one of those things where if you like Ghostbusters, you'll love this movie. It is so good. It's so funny. It's, it's got, it's so quotable. It's super quotable. Um, probably the best non-traditional adaptation of A Christmas Carol ever made. Um, it's a movie that I never want to see remade ever, ever, ever. It's a movie uh, within a movie. It is because it because it's a it's it's the story of a Christmas Carol, while also talking about doing a television version of a Christmas Carol, while also referencing the Chris, a Christmas Carol. It's just, it's 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 fucking like um, it's Inception. It's a Christmas Carol Inception. And it um, may it may be one of the most uh, I I no nay nay nay. It is, without a doubt, the most quotable version yeah. of A Christmas Carol there ever was. <laughs> absolutely. Absolutely. Like, everybody that I know quotes it. If Anybody you've not... Seen it. I, I, and I guarantee this. I would, I would be willing to bet a good amount of money that if you have not seen it, you have heard at least two quotes from that movie absolutely. somewhere in your life at some time. I know people that haven't seen it that quote it. Because, yeah. And just, and just because it's quotes that they picked up from other people. Right, and I want to punch those people. I'm like, where, where'd you pull this quote <laughs> from? Did you see Scrooge? Oh, you like Scrooge? What's Scrooge? Okay, get the hell out if now. You, 
for those of you out there listening, if you haven't seen Scrooged, where have you been living? Exactly. Um, don't, li- don't listen to us anymore. We this, kid. This, why? Who are you and what have you done with the real you? Because you're clearly a pod person from another planet. Um, I'm, I kid. I kid. Uh, but if, real seriously, though, if you haven't seen it, please see it. It is funny. It's, it's, it's perfect. It's, it tells the story in such a unique way. It's got a great cast of characters. Um, just a great cast. Uh, it's, 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 it's everything. It's, and if you do not, if you do not tear up at the end, when Bill Murray tears up when he's talking, because that whole monologue he does at the end was improvised. He he was into that shit. If you do not tear up still, even after you've watched it a million times, if you do not still tear up when he's going on his monologue at the end of the movie, you are a cold, heartless bastard. You you have a steak of holly through your heart. Absolutely. And a lump of coal in your pants. And I, I will um, tell you what, I only remember Karen Allen in two things. Raiders of the Lost Ark, and this, <laughs> I, you know, it's funny. The first two movies that I think of are the same. <laughs> if I think harder, then I will like, oh yeah, Starman. But oh, yeah. you're right. Like Ra- Raiders <laughs> of the Lost Ark and Scrooge are the two movies. She's great in Raiders. Like I love her yes. attitude. I love her spunk. I hated her in Crystal Skull because she was not portraying the Marion that we saw in Raiders, and Correct. I feel like she should have still had that fire. Um. I just her. I don't. I think she forgot how to play Mary in it. By the time we got to Crystal Skull, what was it's what eighty years later? Down, what was that? What was it? Eighty years later? Yeah, something like. But still, it's just like uh, other people have, have come back to parts at, over the course of like twenty, thirty years have still been able to pull it off. She just. I don't know. She's. She was way too soft. I, I mean, I guess maybe it makes sense because at that point she's now a mother, but. I don't know. She still didn't have. She should have still had some of that sharp edge still to her, and she didn't. The fire in her belly, rock. Um, I really do love her in uh, in Scrooge, though. Um, everything about that movie is so great. Um, it's funny because it's uh, they're well, nah. I don't. Never mind. Uh, Scratch the record. I I don't know where I was going with that. Anyway, um, <laughs> you can't even I, see I, I, those nipples. And yeah. those guys are really looking. These guys are really looking. <laughs> Could you please? I I, qu- I I actually quote this all the time because we we actually have, um, uh, we actually have contractors, building contractors that are currently remodeling parts of our building right now. I have on many occasions over the past several months just said, "Will you please, for the love of God, in your own body, hold the hammering? <laughs> please hold the goddamn hammering." I always, I've said that so many times. Yeah, and I, I always say, I've said for, well, 88, 88, 88, 88 was the year? 88. Yeah, that was, uh, so I was in high school, and I think almost almost monthly, at least, I might even say it weekly, I say, beautiful story, tell that to Reader's Digest. Yeah, you know? that's a great line. Oh my I, God, I when someone movie. drones on and on and on, like us. Um, you know, yeah, <laughs> exactly. There's people <laughs> out there right now going, "Beautiful story." Tell it through his digest. Uh, yeah, I mean that movie or that that saying. Um, it, there's just so many other ones. Have you tried I Staples? Will say this. <laughs> the 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 one and and actually Rob can vouch for me on this one because he knows he's seen me do it. I, I've done it. I've done it. Uh, I've done it textually and I've also done it verbally. Um, I will often. If I talk about the fact that something has moved me to tears, I will 
always say Niagara Falls Frankie Angel. Oh, you've said it on the show many uh-huh. times. I know. That's that's exactly. That's I Niagara Falls Frankie Angel is one of my favorite things to say whenever I describe me having an emotional breakdown of some sort where I'm crying. I will usually say I go all Niagara Falls Frankie Angel or some variation of that. Um because that's such a great line. Niagara yes. Falls, Frankie Angel. And I, I will tell you what. I mean, you know, Donnie and I are the types of guys that if a if a stick of butter falls off a shelf at the store, we cry. So, you know, we're big softies. That's who we are. Well, if 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 it falls off the shelf and I realize that it's margarine and not butter, then I cry. That like, that is fuck, very. Fuck! I wanted butter. What the hell is this shit? <laughs> I can't believe it's not butter. I'm wah, Niagara Falls, wah. Frankie Angel. <laughs> Anyway, so I mean, there we could do an entire episode on Scrooge um, next year. Yeah, um, you know, it's just there's so much to say about it. It's so good. Please, if you haven't seen it, please rectify that immediately. I don't. You won't be disappointed. I remember when the advertisement for that first came out. I was working at the supermarket as a bag boy. Um, it was 1987, or no, it was it was. It was early 1988, um, and I remember the poster for it said something to the effect of um, Bill Murray is once again back amongst the spirits, only this time it's three against one. And I was like, and I remember it was it was a teaser poster, so it didn't really say much, and I was like, what is this about? And then, you know, basically as we went on, I was like, oh my god, he's, oh, this is going to be fun. And because, you know, at first I thought maybe it was like a Ghostbusters uh, another Ghostbusters movie, and I got excited, but then I was like, oh no, this is not that. This is something else. Um, but it's just, that is a movie that first time I saw it, we rented it on VHS because we didn't, like I said, we didn't get to go see it in theaters. Um, rented it on VHS. I remember whoever rented it before us didn't rewind it, so when we put it in the VCR, it already started off at the end credits when Bill Murray is basically brushing the word Scrooged off of his coat. And I was, and we were like, oh, that's a weird way to start this movie. And then we realized, oh, these are the end credits. Well, we need to put this in the VHS, uh, VCR or VHS tape rewinder. Didn't you uh, which, feel, didn't you feel the, the right side of the tape being heavier than the left? <laughs> no. <laughs> no. <laughs> it wasn't me doing it anyway. It was my dad. Uh. So I don't know. Um... But it's yeah, and, and and you know, all you all you kids out there who uh, don't know what I'm talking about, um, yeah, let's get off my lawn. And um, uh, once upon a time, we used to watch movies on cassettes that had tape, like, and you had to rewind it when you were done if you were renting it. Otherwise, you get charged a fee. And then they came out with these things called rewinders because that would make it so that the motor in your VCR wouldn't get worn down from all the rewinding. And it was a thing. And you kids and your newfangled technologies, get off my lawn. Exactly. Um, And I'm looking at a VCR right now. I'm sitting here uh, in this room looking at a VCR. (laughs) I have a a VCR-DVD combo unit upstairs in my bedroom. Okay, Richie Rich. Um, uh, well, it, it was given to me by my by my ex mother in law many 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 moons ago, long time ago in a galaxy not so far away. Um, so there's that. The I don't really want to uh, spend too much more time on Scrooge because other than the fact that it's really really great because uh, we really have a couple more movies I really want to get to before we finish. 
Um, so the next one on the list is the one that a lot of people really, really love. It is in my top five. Um, I probably it's actually in my top three. I'll say that. Um, it's the one that's it's it's one of the big ones that every, a lot of people mentioned in the R and D uh, post, and that is the Muppet Christmas Carol, nineteen ninety two. This one is an, is is uh, it's right up there in a lot of people's hearts as probably their favorite. I know Joey Petten, I think it's his favorite. Uh, I know Mitch Mary's favorite. Uh, a lot of people love that. Uh, they hold it in high regard. They probably hold it as their number one. Uh, and I, you know, I can't argue with them. It's not my number one. Um, I can't argue with them for it being their number one because it has all the right things. It has the Muppets. Um, it has Michael Caine doing an amazingly uh, non-Shakespearean, like down low key, like realistic uh, uh, Ebenezer Scrooge, which plays well against the the big. Uh, the way the big, you know, the big performances of the Muppets—it's really, really well done. Um, I love it. Um, it is definitely, like I said, it's in my top three. It's such—it's so amazing. Despite the fact that I don't really care for musical versions of A Christmas Carol, this one almost makes me change my mind because the songs in it are actually really good. I do love Gonzo and Rizzo. Um, they are so fucking great in this movie. Gonzo and Rizzo as as the narrators, as as Charles Dickens and and his comrade are so fucking hilarious. There's a lot of really great touches of this movie, a lot of really great uh, liberties that they take that are just so much fun. Um, the things that I don't like, the things that knock it down to number three for me is is as an adaptation, it it takes liberties. Um, so it definitely cuts some stuff out from the book that you know that I that I miss. Um, you know, it's it's and you know it's it's got the musicals, uh, the the musical numbers, which I'm like, mm, that's you know not so much. I mean, I still love them, but not as much. And I think the biggest knock for me is this is the first Muppet movie after Jim Henson died, where they had the new guy come in and play Kermit, and I can hear the difference. Yeah, and it really takes me out of the movie every. T- I mean, I'm glad that he's only Bob Cratchit. Because, you know, Bob Cratchit doesn't feature in the movie all that prominently. I mean, he's there at the beginning, he's there for the Ghost of Christmas Present stuff, and he's there for the end. So, that, that's, that's fine. But at the end of the day, the guy who's, who's doing the, 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 the voice of Kermit at that point really takes me out of the movie every time he talks. Because I, I, can, I can hear it. I can hear the difference. Most of you might not be able to. Most of you might be completely fine with it, and that's cool. I get it. Um, I just I have an ear for that for voices, and I can tell when a voice is different for me, and it really just kind of it's almost like nails on a chalkboard for me. Um, other than that, Michael Caine, fantastic, wonderful performance. Like when he when he starts when he screams at them th- to lose their like we have never seen up until that point really a Scrooge just outright scream in fury. When he screams at the workers that they will lose their position and with this, this huge, seething, paper-white mask of evil on his face, I was like, holy shit. Like, again, chills. Um, I love that, the, that Statler and Waldorf are the Marleys. Uh, I love the way... I, 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 love the, I love the creativity and the way they do the ghosts, uh, the different spirits. Um... This is one. Oh, and this is something I wanted to mention earlier. One of the big, one of the big 
things that a lot of adaptations of A Christmas Carol leave out, and it's one of the things that I hate. Uh, it's it's such a minor thing. Most people were like, "So who cares?" To me, it's 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 a big thing. Most adaptations leave out the fact that the ghost of Christmas Present dies at the stroke of midnight the night that he's with Ebenezer Scrooge, because each ghost of Christmas Present is only there for the present. They don't exist past the present. Once that Christmas is over, they die, and then the next Christmas present is the one for the next Christmas present. So they have a very short lifespan. It's 24 hours long. In most adaptations, you don't see that aspect. He just he's there, he does his thing, he's like, look upon me, you know, you know, and everything. Um, that's it. The three adaptations that I know of that actually uh, that well, there's four now because they're the 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 one animated one with Alistair Sim, uh, I believe, also did this. Um, the only three adaptations that I know of besides that one that actually honor that 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 uh, that um, that detail that's in the book is the uh, um, shit. I lost my thought of trains. Is the Muppet version, um, the uh, Jim Carrey version, and the uh, Patrick Stewart version. They're the only three that acknowledge that the Ghost of Christmas Present dies at the end. Because, again, that's a chilling thing. Because you see him growing older by the end of, the, of his time with Scrooge. He starts off young and vibrant, big red bushy beard, you know... You know, big furry chest. He's like, ah, have you never seen the like of me before? <laughs> and then by the end, he's wheezing. He's he's very very. Uh, uh, he's 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 pale. He's ashen. He's barely hanging on the 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 full vigor that was in him. These are little details that I love. Little nuances I love about the story. Um, and it's it's one of it's it's again. I love the fact that uh, a Christmas uh, the. Uh, Muppet Christmas Carol gets this part right. Uh, it is one of the things that makes it my number three. Um, but again, the uh, the Patrick Stewart version and the Jim Carrey version and the anime version that I just saw the other night are the only other versions that I've seen that actually uh, address that. Um, so again, for me, it's a lot of it's about uh, a loyalty to the book. I because I love the book so much, I want to see as much of that represented in 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 the adaptations as possible. Um, but that's all I really got. That's all I've really got to say about uh, the Muppet one. I, I do love it a lot, uh, Rob. <laughs> I, I'm going to go with exactly what you just said. <laughs> <laughs> all right then. You, uh, you took away all my thunder. No, I kid. Um, I'm sorry. <laughs> well, I know because I know you. You definitely liked this one a lot. Um, I did. Um, not not in my top. You know, not not in my top. Um, but. Yeah, I mean, I don't dislike it. I don't go back and watch it every chance that I can get like I would with, um, right. you know, Scrooged or like I would with George C. Scott's version. Um, sure. Even Alistair Sims, which is, it's funny. I have to watch that one on, like, TV around, like, a couple days before Christmas or, you know, never after Christmas. I don't think I've ever watched that movie not before Christmas. Um, and it literally has to be like right before Christmas. There's something about a good black and white movie that harkens me back to, you know, just, I, I don't know, to, to times when I was a kid, whatever. Um, while I enjoyed this movie, um, I, I don't know. It's just, it's not all the way up there. 
Um, even even though Gina will kill me and a lot of other people will kill me, the same goes for the next <laughs> movie that we're going to talk about. I will uh, kill you. You know, the, uh, Mickey's A Christmas Carol. I, maybe it's because... Maybe it's because they're puppets and, and, and cartoons. Maybe maybe that's the reason I don't like it. Because I'm not a huge fan of the Jim Carrey version either. I'm just not. The Jim Carrey version, I just watched for the second time. I saw I actually went into theaters to see it because uh, I was intrigued. Okay. I have the same problem with it that I have with uh, Polar Express. I was just going to say that. The Uncanny Valley really, really bothers me with this movie. Uh, not only that, but I hate the fact that Jim Carrey plays at least like six different roles, um, and they don't like he because he I just because it's it's Jim Carrey like I Jim Carrey is one of those people that stands out like Jim Carrey is Jim Carrey, um, so I had an easier time with it when I watched it this time around in preparation for this episode. I I think I liked it more. This time, like I said, there are things about it that I really, really do love. Um, the Uncanny Valley is the part that really, really bothers me, though. Um, and just Because you have Jim Carrey as Scrooge. You have Jim Carrey as all three ghosts. Um, and I believe he plays another part, too, that I can't recall off the top of my head. Um, but, I mean, they got a great cast. You know, they got, like, Bob Hoskins. And um, they got um, Gary Oldman. Um and, and uh, Colin Firth, but I don't know. It's just I feel like this was just like Jim Carrey the movie. Like it was. Uh, there's too much Jim Carrey in the <laughs> film, because um, he doesn't really disappear into any of the roles. Like he's like I don't know. I I don't hate it. Um, there are definitely things that I love about it. Um, I if you want to go see it, see it. I mean, if you have Disney Plus, well, no, it's not on Disney Plus right yet because uh, it's still licensed to uh, Amazon or it's still licensed to Stars uh, right now. So you can only see it on Stars um, until the license is up, and then it's going to move over to Disney Plus. I think in I think next year. Um, but and I mean, there 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 to me there really isn't a bad adaptation of Christmas Carol. They're all they're all good in their own way. They all have their own merits. So I'm not going to badmouth it. The Uncanny Valley just really bothers me, and the fact that Jim Carrey, there's just too much Jim Carrey in the movie. It's it's too Jim Carrey-ish. Uh, which, I love Jim Carrey, so don't get me wrong. I love Jim Carrey. I love Jim Carrey when he does what he does best. I love his dramatic stuff when he when he you know when he plays it down uh, close to the vest. Uh, I love his screwball stuff when he's just being a complete and total weirdo. Once bitten. Um, yeah, love, once bitten. I love that best choreographed dance sequence I've ever seen. Um, well, not the best, but my favorite. Um, but this, it's just, you, you, you need somebody who could disappear into the role and he does not disappear into the role, even with it being a CGI fabrication around him. It's just, it's too, it's too on the nose. It's too on the nose for Jim Carrey. But again, he's so, he's so Jim Carrey yeah, it's exactly it. That's it, exactly it. Yeah, it's a... Um, Which is weird, it, because he knows how to shut it off, because I've seen him in Eternal Sunshine of the Spotless Mind, and I've seen him in other movies where, uh, you know, I know he knows how to dial it down, but it's just, he's he's just he's too Jim Carrey in this movie, and it's just, it's and, and he's playing multiple roles. Well, it's sort of what like, happened with, with Sandler for a long time. 
Right, absolutely. You know, and 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 now even he like he even he has his own you know his the moments where he's actually you know where he plays good dramatic roles and such. Um, yeah, it, it, it's it, those bigger than life. They're not actors; they're movie stars. They're they're um, they're caricatures, where they have a they have a gimmick that they play in every movie, and they play it to the hilt, um, and so. When they don't, Will Ferrell's another one that's like that too. Will Ferrell, he has a gimmick. He has, he's he's Will Ferrell in pretty much every movie that he's in, or some variation, some outlandish, ridiculous caricature, um, you know. But all of those guys know how to act because I've seen them do it. But they do not. They don't. They're, they're not actors. They're they're more like caricatures or movie stars, you know, of some sort. Right. Um, I'm kind of glad that we got. The Jim Carrey version out of the way now. I was going to save it for last since it doesn't didn't come out until like 2009. But I'm glad we got that one out of the way because I have one more um, a Christmas Carol that I want to talk about uh, before we conclude for tonight. And it's uh, again, there's the new one with Guy Pierce that I didn't get to watch uh, because it, it aired while we were doing this. So apologies. Um, but my favorite Christmas Carol of all time, the one that I think is the closest adaptation, the one I think has the best performances. And that is the 1999 TNT made-for-TV movie starring Patrick Stewart. Patrick fucking Stewart. Now, the reason why I love this one so much is, again, partly because it is probably one of the closest adaptations that I've ever seen. It practically gets almost everything from the book right in the film the liberties that it takes... And it's funny because it actually will take... It takes some of the liberties that other movies and TV shows and other adaptations have done and it incorporates them. Like like adaptations that were only like, oh, this one is the only one that did this and this one was the only one that did this. It's like, oh, we'll take that into ours too. It It's weird. It takes all of the good stuff from all of the adaptations, removes all of the chaff, and puts it all together and it's just one of the finest versions of A Christmas Carol that I've ever seen. I watch it religiously every year since the first time that it aired on TNT. I watched it when it originally aired. Um, and the funny thing about this is, again, I've, I think I've said this before, Patrick Stewart used to do this as a stage performance many, many years ago uh, on the British stage. It was a one-man show. He played all the characters... Um, I don't know if it was to give Rich Little a run for his money or what, but, and it sold out every time. It was one of the most popular versions in, uh, in England at the time. So when it came time to do an adaptation for it, TNT approached him and said, why don't we do a full movie version? You only have to play the one character. You don't have to play them all. It's cool. But the cast that they got, Richard E. Grant, Richard E. Grant is an amazing character actor. He's been a villain in Doctor Who. Uh, he's been, uh, you know, he's, he was in um, Hudson Hawk. Uh, he he plays. He's going to be. He's in the new Star Wars that comes out this weekend, or well, the weekend last weekend from your perspective. Uh, he plays one of the the New Order guys. You have Joel Gray. Uh, father of Jennifer Grey, who was in Dirty Dancing. Joel Grey is a master thespian. Uh, he's done dance. He's done theater. Um, he played. I hate to say this, but Joel Grey played the Asian, um, the Asian guy in um, uh, Reno Williams: The Adventure Begins. Uh, so yeah, he did do Yellowface. 
Um, he was also a villain in the fifth season of Buffy the Vampire Slayer. Like he's he is he's an amazing. He plays the Ghost of Christmas Past. Um, you have uh, Dominic West who plays Fred Scrooge's nephew. Now Dominic West, you may know him from uh, like he was in the movie Three Hundred. He was the guy that basically slept with. Um, uh, what's his name's wife, and then and then basically like you, you know accused her of of doing so to the to the counselor or whatever. Um, but you have uh, you have an incredible cast of of people. Um, this is it's so good. There the performances are so well done. Um, the this is actually one of the ones where there actually is some uh, a, a couple of musical numbers, but they're within the narrative. They're not basically just singing, you know, just like out of nowhere. Um, but Patrick Stewart is probably one of the best performances I've ever seen. His uh, his subtlety, his groundedness. Um, he injects a lot of nuance into his performance. Um, he it's just a huge range that he plays with. Um, this is the one that I and you can you can rent it on Amazon. You can buy the DVD. Unfortunately, there is not a Blu-ray release of this because um, I've been I've been looking for it forever. Uh, but this is to me the definitive Christmas Carol. It is my favorite of all time. I I it, it, because I do not like to lie to our audience. I have never seen this version. Not once. I will murder you I, I, twenty times. I, I can't. I can As George Washington once said, "I cannot tell a lie." I can't. I, I. I just have never seen this version, and I don't know. I'm thinking maybe I missed it when it came out on TV. So it just it bypassed me. You I, can you you can rent it on Amazon for two ninety nine. It's only in standard definition, but it's it's good quality standard def, so it's not and it's four by three, so it's not widescreen or anything. So it's 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 a, it's you know it'll it'll do. I, I think what it was was we had just moved into a new house, um, mm-hmm. and I had a very very young Julia, who was just born uh, the previous August, and I I guess it just it bypass it bypassed me, yeah. I've never other, never seen this version. I've seen clips, you know, like you, anybody else. I, I highly, highly recommend it. Um, I believe TNT shows it every year. Uh, I'm pretty positive they show it at least once or twice, maybe even three or four times every year um, during the Christmas season. Um, so try to catch it on TNT if you can. If you can't, like I said, you can rent it for $2.99 on Amazon uh, in standard def. Or you can buy the DVD that's really cheap on Amazon as well. I have it on DVD because as soon as it came out, uh, I loved it. I, I heart it so much, and I just I had to have it. Um, it's amazing. It's it's it is by far my fest. I, I love, you know, I love everything about it. Um, again, it also does the the whole thing where the Ghost of Christmas present gets very old and ashen by the very end, and. Uh, you know, basically, he's like, "Yes, my life is very short. It ends tonight." Um, I also really like the the version of ignorance and want that they the 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 kids that they use the makeup effects on the girl's hand because her hand really does look like a claw. Like it looks like it's literally like legitimately deformed. Right. Um, and I it's just I love everything. I love the sequences. I love everything about it. 
That's still um, that's still one of the version one of the versions one of the um, it, that's still one of the things in the George C. Scott version that yes. when that guy when the when, oh when he opens up his robes yeah and those kids are sitting there bah. they are your children right <laughs> are there no prisons yes are there no workhouses oh. Oh. <laughs> I could quote. I could fucking quote the like I could quote any of those movies to heart. Like I know the line so well. So, true story. Secret dream. So I, I have, I have two major dreams of mine that I've always wanted to do that I've always wanted to come true. From when I was a kid, one was to be a horror movie host because I grew up towards the tail end. Excuse me, towards the tail end of the horror movie host scene. You know, Elvira, you know, every, almost every major town or city had a, had a horror movie host that basically it was either like their, it was one of their news people or their weather guy would put makeup on on Saturday mornings or Saturday afternoons and host a, a couple of bad B movies and do skits in between and all sorts of stuff. One of my biggest dreams as a kid was to be a horror movie host. I got to, I, I actually got to make that one come true a few years ago for uh, a guy that I know who was a director uh, based out of uh, Luray, Virginia, named Matt Cloud. I got to be a horror show host named Dr. Gooley uh, for Scares That Care, um, which was really, really fun. Um, but my other, my other wish, my other dream as a child was to play Ebenezer Scrooge on stage in, a, in, in an adaptation of A Christmas Carol. I haven't been able to make that one come true yet. Actually, I'd be happy with being any character, uh, any major character in A Christmas Carol, but I've always wanted to be able to tackle, being somebody who loves to act, somebody who's been an actor, I really love the challenge of being able to, because, you know, finding a way to make that, to make Ebenezer Scrooge your own without trying to, to, to jump on other performances that have come down the pike. You know, you don't want to try to do Michael Caine's version. You don't want to try to do Patrick Stewart's version. You don't want to try to do Alistair Sims' version. I've always loved the idea of, of, of the challenge of being able to slip into those shoes of Ebenezer Scrooge and just making it my own and just taking, you know, and trying to, to approach it uh, from, from my own perspective and doing my own take on it. Well, it's, we have talked about... Um, and we didn't get to do it this holiday season just because of life. Um, but I know Donnie and I have talked to you and you and I, Donnie, have talked about doing a, 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 yeah. Donnie and I. Do you know Donnie? Let me introduce you to Donnie. Do, Donnie and I have talked about doing a radio play. And yes, I think Christmas Carol actually lends itself very, very well. to. Oh, absolutely. Too. Absolutely. Um, and that way you don't have to see our ugly mugs, you know, on a stage anywhere. And so. I've done radio dramas before, as even Christmas ones. So, I mean, that that would definitely be really, really cool. We, we have faces made for radio, brother. <laughs> Woohoo! <laughs> that was one of your trademark. Yeah! <laughs> yeah! Anyway, so with that, um, I, think, uh, I, I think we've covered... In great detail, all of the versions of Christmas Carol, the, the the big ones, the highlighted ones. I mean, there's there are tons more out there. Uh, a lot of different animated versions, uh, live action versions, but they're you know they're not you know uh, they're not as well known. Uh, you know, more you know just low key kind of stuff. Um, but that's pretty much it. If I had if I had to rank my top five uh, before we go real quick, before, if I had to rank my top five adaptations of a Christmas Carol. Um, 
Oh, and I do want to give a quick honorable mention again to the Doctor Who one that they did. Uh, it was really, really well done. Um, uh, Michael Gambon played... It, it wasn't a direct adaptation because the Doctor basically had to play all the spirits, but really, really good adaptation. Um, but if I had to do my favorite... Uh, I'm, I'm not going to count Scrooged because to me Scrooge is a separate entity because, again, it is not a true like um authentic adaptation of the material it's it it, it adapts the story the basic storyline but it's not a true um you know, legitimate adaptation so my top five would be patrick stewart's christmas carol george c scott's blah blah for this george c scott's christmas carol uh number uh number three muppet christmas carol number four um the alistair sim christmas carol and number five, the Reginald Owen Christmas Carol. Those are probably my top five. Um, Albert Finney just misses it by a smidge. Just by a smidge. <laughs> In fact, maybe tomorrow if I'm feeling in a good mood, maybe he'll, get, he'll, he'll take the Reginald Owen version out and, and go right into number five. Who knows? So, so Those are my top five. Okay, so my top five would be George C. Scott. And Alistair okay. Sim kind of tied for one, two, depending on the day of the week. Um, right. Scrooge with Albert Finney. Okay. That would be number three. And then I will toss up again. I will toss up Mickey and the Muppets. And those are really the only versions that I've ever, you know, really gotten into. Um, sure. So those would be those would be my top five. Um, nice. Again, overall, uh, the, the the original novella is beautiful. Um, it's simple. Uh, it's very, you know, it, it reminds me of the simplicity of something like Gift of the Magi. Um, you know, just something simple yet so timeless. Um, it, it's just, it's beautiful. It, it's, 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 and it, it's an important message that's just as, uh, it's impo- just as important now as it was then. Absolutely. Um, that's, it's, it's a message that, cause I mean, we still have the same problems now that we did back in in, in the Dickens times. Yeah, and um, when it comes to money and greed, uh, and 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 lack of of heart for your fellow man, and so this this story will never go out of style because I don't think we'll ever have these problems go away. No. So it's just important to 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 know the story, to love the story now as it ever was. As the great emancipator Abraham Lincoln once said. Be ex- on, I dude. was just gonna say that. Be excellent to each other. Sorry. <laughs> sorry. I, sorry. I actually, I honestly thought you were actually gonna say something legitimate <laughs> from Abraham Lincoln, which is why I jumped in with that. I'm so sorry. We can start over. Go ahead and do your thing. <laughs> no, we that can was... edit that out. I, I, I honestly thought you were actually going to quote like a real legitimate quote from Abraham Lincoln. Well, I, c- I could say the, this real legitimate quote. If you are racist, I will attack you with the North. <laughs> <laughs> oh, wait, that was Michael Scott, not George C. Scott or Abraham yeah. Lincoln. <laughs> and on that note, ladies and gentlemen, <laughs> I want to conclude uh, our... This will be our last... Um, this will be our last R&D project of the year. Yes. Um, wow. We'll, we'll, we'll be back strong uh, uh, in the new year. Don't don't worry, everybody. We're not going anywhere anytime soon. Um, you know, as long as you keep listening, we'll keep cranking them out. But uh, I want to wish all of you. Uh, I know we kind of did it with the Christmas one, but I mean, it, like I said, it's still it's still technically considered the holidays all the way up to New Year's. 
So I want to wish from the bottom of my heart a very happy holidays, a very Merry Christmas, a happy Kwanzaa, a happy Hanukkah, you know, um, anything that I missed. Happy Life Day to the Wookiees. Um, happy holidays to all of you. Thank you so much for joining us on this journey that we started off uh, earlier this year. Uh, we've enjoyed doing this for 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 every episode. We we love doing this. Um, it's been a fun journey. We continue. We plan to continue doing it for as long as possible. Um, but you guys really helped make uh, twenty the 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 you know the back half of twenty nineteen very special by listening to us just go on about horror movies and pop culture and, and just anything. Um, so it's been fun. It's been real. Uh, hope you guys got to see Star Wars by this point and that you enjoyed it, the new Star Wars. I'm going to see it later on this evening uh, in, in, in Donnie time, uh, <laughs> back in the past. Um, hopefully I liked it too. Um, but, yeah, go see these uh, Christmas carols if you haven't seen any of them, please. And uh, enjoy your holidays. And, uh, you know, just know that uh, we, we, we we got plenty more in store for you guys for the next year, for 2020. So... That's all I've got, Rob. What do you got, buddy? So if you had told me um, on January 1st at the beginning of this year, so January 1, 2019, that I would be hosting a um, decently popular podcast with my really, like, best friend in the in, on the planet. With a um, guy you met in April. Yeah, yeah. I would have said, <laughs> you're batshit crazy. Um, But here we are at the end of 2019, um, getting ready to ring in the new year. And uh, my daughter is coming home. Um, Well, not coming home. Uh, She was born in New Jersey, but she's coming back to New Jersey for the first time since 2004. Um, And I'm going to be ringing in the new year in New York City with her and Gina, um, live from Central Park. And nice. um, yeah, because you do, there's way too many people in Times Square. Way too many people. Um, but but Central Park is a is a great place to ring in the new year. Um, but I, I am so looking forward to next year. Um, you know, again, there there's been a lot of challenges this year. As is, you know, that's life with everybody. Um, but yeah, I mean, what we've been able to do, what Donnie and I have been able to do. Um, with the help of our friends, with the help of our families over over the past, you know, uh, four, five, six months, four, five months, um, five months, four months, four months, um, you know, and, and even before that, conceptualizing this thing that we wanted to do and, and bringing it to life, um, you know, I, I couldn't have done it without Donnie, obviously, couldn't have done it without, without my friends and family, um, it's been a ride. It's been it's been fun. It's been stressful. Um, you know, it's a it's a labor of love for both of us. I you know I, I'm not afraid to speak for Donnie when I say that. And yeah, you know, looking back at at where we came from, you know, 16 episodes ago or 15 episodes ago, fi- no, 16 because this is episode 16. Um, you know, not stumbling over our words as much. Um, you know, there's still a lot of ums. There's still a lot of basicallys. There's still goddamn basicallys, man. I, I hear them as soon as I say them now. But what's funny is to our listeners, we're real. You know, I, I don't get I don't get to sit in a you know in a studio. I would love to be in a soundproof booth, but you know what I'm looking at right now is my unlit Christmas tree because we're still decorating it tomorrow. 
um, my dog, who's sitting to the right of me and pants like a son of a bitch, and multiple cats around me in my living room. And, you know, because I can't be in the horror den because the furnace kicks on and it would be really, really bad. And we already have enough audio issues. <laughs> but, right. you know, it, it's who we are. We're real. We're, we're just, we are. That, that's who we are. Um, you know, we're getting more interactive with you guys. Like I've said since the beginning, we're always accessible. You don't ever have to be afraid to reach out. Tell us something you didn't like. Tell us something you loved or liked or whatever. But whatever you celebrate, Kwanzaa, Christmas, uh, Hanukkah, it, it's all about the same thing. It, it's about friends and family and, and passing on the goodness. And I, I think I said it last week. If you're, if you're in line getting a cup of coffee, hey, maybe buy the person behind you coffee and see how far that goes. Um, you know, just do something nice. Pay something forward. And... You know, just enjoy yourselves. Ring in the new year this year um, responsibly, safely. We'll see you on the other side of that new year. And we wish you all the best. Donnie, love you, brother. Happy new year to you and to your family. Same to you, man. Same to you, my friend. And just enjoy. And for the last time of 2019, we will see you next year. And we are out. Bye, everybody. That was beautiful.